take a second. If you are watching this live during the premiere, um, if you would just put, you know, hey, I'm watching, and maybe where you're watching from, it's it's always fun to kind of see, like, hey, we're we're in this together. We're watching this as a church, even though we're not physically in the same spot. So that's fun to do if you're watching this during the premiere. Um, so as a, as I talked about earlier uh, a little bit, we're in the middle of this series called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. And a few weeks ago, Natalie did an amazing job just kind of outlining um, that passage from Psalm 23 and, and describing to us that God is a good shepherd, um, that he cares for us, that he has things for us. And then as that song goes on, you know, it leads to him setting up this table for us in the presence of our enemies, which, you know, it's like, that seems kind of strange, but you know, you know, something I love about the, the Bible as we approach it is the Bible isn't just like a suggestion or an interesting concept. It's a description of reality. Like Psalm 23 isn't just this flowery thing. It's a description of reality as humans, as, as we exist on this planet. And so, um, you know, sometimes I almost get like frustrated with things like that. Like I want to question like, why God did you do this? And it's good to ask questions why, but it's important to approach the scripture that like, this is what it is. It's like questioning gravity. I may not understand it, but the reality is the table set in the midst of our enemies. And that's where we're at. And then two weeks ago, um, Frank talked about the tactics of the enemy, which is such a great setup for this week. And if you missed that, uh, I would encourage you to go back. It's available. Um, uh, online, you can watch it back, and he just talked about identifying um, whether or not the enemy has taken a seat at this table um, that God's prepared for us. And then last week, Brittany talked about that the battle, the battle that we wage is a battle in our minds, uh, and we're going to kind of build on this during this message, talking about the path to victory. Um, and um, as I prepared for this message, I started getting excited because um, I like to do things like strategic planning. Um, and I actually have the privilege of, of being on staff at Harvest. And one of the main reasons that um, Pastor Roy asked me to come serve at the church was to help strategize and plan and like build systems and things like that. And um, it was always funny when I first started, people seemed confused by what I did because, <laughs> you know, I wasn't the youth pastor and I wasn't the this pastor or the, you know, it wasn't obvious necessarily. I was doing a lot of work kind of behind the scenes on like, well, how do we do what we do? Like, how do we accomplish the vision that we feel like God has for us? Um, and so that's just to say that as I was thinking about the path to victory, I was thinking about a battle strategy. And I'm so excited to talk about that because this isn't just any kind of strategic planning. This is potentially life-changing battle strategy for us to think about how can we accomplish victory. Um, which is an amazing thing that I have the privilege of talking about that with you, that this can change your life, that this can set you on a path that will transform the trajectory of where you are next week, next year, five years, 10 years from now, that you will have greater victory. Um, but whenever I'm doing this kind of like planning or strategic thinking, a lot of times my approach is to think about the end first. Like, let's start with the end in mind. What is it that we're trying to accomplish? What is it that we envision and then let's kind of work backwards from there. So that's kind of what I'm going to do this morning. Um, I keep saying this morning. You could be watching this anytime, but it's morning for me. Um, so I wanted to start with what does victory look like? And I think it's a good question to ask because um, as Christians, I think we talk about victory a lot, but I don't think we always understand what that means. What does it mean to have victory? There's this verse um, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. 
that says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. This is the purpose. This is the reason that, that Christ set us free. So stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So through Jesus' death on the cross, God redeemed our spirits. And when we get saved, that happens instantly and our spirits are transformed. Um, but he also died to give liberty and freedom to our souls and our minds. And, and that's an aspect that takes time. But I want to start with that kind of in mind that if, if our battle is a battlefield of the mind, the victory is a freed mind, free from the control of anxiety or free from the control of fear or, or free from the slavery of, of sadness or temptation or addiction. The victory that we're looking towards is a free mind, a, a free um, soul that is liberated to do what God's called us to do. So I want to start with that kind of in mind that the victory we're talking about is freedom. So number two, what does freedom look like? So we're kind of working our way back, right? And freedom is a funny concept because there's sort of this idea of the surface level, what it means to be free. And then I think there's something deeper. So to illustrate this, I want you to think about a professional anything. Um, maybe it's a professional sport like hockey or baseball or basketball or maybe like um, a professional musical or a ballet or, or some, something like that. If you've ever experienced, you know, on TV, but especially in person, a professional sport or a professional performance of any kind, as diverse as all those different environments may be, there's something that you hear people say often about someone that's kind of at the peak of their athleticism or whatever, you know, you see it at the Olympics. And something you hear people say is, it looks effortless. When you watch Wayne Gretzky on the ice, it looks effortless. When you hear some amazing vocalist live singing and it, it's like just out of this world, it looks effortless. There's something free about their ability to do what they're doing. Think about like, uh, maybe you go to the gym and uh, unlike me, you're actually like able to bench press a lot. You actually have a freedom to, to lift weights, a freedom that I don't have, right? Um, but it's not like that freedom is just the freedom to do whatever you want. It's actually a freedom that's the result of discipline and the result of intentional decisions and the result of hard work over a long period of time that results in this effortlessness, this freedom, this ability to, you know, when it comes to professional hockey, for example, the reason they're so good is they don't even have to think about it. They're free. It's, it's all these instinctual decisions that their mind is making effortlessly, but it's not, it's not something that just happens. And, and in our minds, it's very similar. And I want to make this maybe a little more intense, but also more applicable that think about someone now that, that has that, that they're like a professional at life. What does that look like? And uh, I think a lot of you, like me, you can think of someone that just seems to make the right decisions. They consistently show up in a, in a mind frame where you're like, wow, they're just present. Maybe you go to their house for dinner or something and you watch him or her interact with their spouse and you're like, they genuinely love each other. They're not, I can tell they're not just putting it on. They're not just holding it together for a dinner party. 
that's, there's like something effortless about their relationship. The way, um, the way he treats his kids, there's something effortless there. There's like a freedom there. He's not striving and, and working. There's something effortless there. It's like they're a professional at life, right? But there's a freedom in that. And when you see someone like that, it's something that I think we all kind of crave. Like, where does that come from? And then the antithesis of that, and what's amazing to me, is that you could maybe picture someone else now that sits a few rows behind that other person at harvest every Sunday and seems to always make the wrong decisions. Um, seems to just cut, caught up and overwhelmed by life. Um, what is the difference between those two people? And that's, it gives us a picture, something in our mind to kind of envision. What does freedom mean? What does it look like for us to live free? And I think it looks a lot like that first person, that uh, our life decisions become effortless. Our, our relationships become effortless in a certain way. There's a freedom to love. So I want to kind of restate that um, this way, that the freedom God gives us isn't the freedom to just do whatever we want on the surface, but it's the empowerment to do what he's called us to, to do, what he's designed us to do, what I think at some level we all as humans have a, a craving to do, that we want to live lives that are full of love and full of grace and full of amazing relationships. But we're, it's like we're not free to do that because of the limitations of our mind. So that's what the victory um, looks like. Romans 12 verse 2, and I'm reading this from the Passion Translation, which is a paraphrase. Um, but I like the way it states it. It says, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed. Have your minds be transformed or renewed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. So the battlefield is in our mind. This will what? This will empower you. This will give you the ability. I want to say it's going to give you the freedom to discern God's will as you live a beautiful and satisfying life that's perfect in his eyes. Isn't that amazing? It will empower us to discern God's will as we live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in God's eyes. Isn't that amazing that when our minds are transformed, we are empowered to live a life that is perfect in God's eyes. That's that's what we're shooting for. That's, you know, we're strategically planning. We want this pathway to victory. What does it look like when we have victory? Uh, an empowerment to live a life that is amazing in God's eyes. That he's watching us and he's excited about the decisions we're making. He's excited about our relationships. He's excited about the way we carry ourselves at work. The way that we walk into our jobs. That's so amazing. So, um... That is number two. What does freedom look like? We have an idea in our mind. Okay, this is what we're shooting for. So let's get a little bit more practical and we're going to talk about some steps on the pathway toward freedom. Steps on the pathway toward freedom. And hopefully this will help you. You know, again, we're working backward. Um, some, a little bit more practical now. So the first thing I want to talk about is getting a clear picture of God's vision for your free life. Um, Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, where there's no vision, the people perish. So I want to consider how can we clarify how living in this freedom that we're talking about would be different for you than the way that you're currently living. Um, 
and I think there's, there's two sort of sides to this that I want to talk to. And I actually think it's a strategy of the enemy that he, he likes to keep us in one of these two places. Um, and the, the first is some of you have already been almost discounting this message because the enemy has you at a place where you're convinced you will never have the freedom that I'm talking about. You will never have the victory. And he, um, you know, to go back to our analogy, it's like he's sitting at the table. He's been there for a while. He's helping himself. And, and you've almost given up the idea that you'll ever have the table to yourself again. And, and, and I don't want to discount how hard that is. And maybe you feel like you've tried everything and you've tried over and over again. And the idea of you envisioning a free future is painful for you because you're convinced you'll never be there. And, um, and we're going to talk to that. But the first thing I want to just say is I want to encourage you that the enemy would love nothing more than for you to stay there. If he's got you there, he's going to do everything he can to convince you not to try because he knows as soon as you put faith in the word of God, as, you, as soon as you put faith in the principles that we're talking about, as soon as you stop imitating the ideals and opinions, but be inwardly transformed, he knows that you, yes, even you, will be empowered to live the life we're talking about. So I want to like maybe set yourself up a little straight out, lean in right now and just, um, or pause and just talk to God and be honest with him and say, just, just talk to him about how maybe frustrated you feel even hearing this message. I want to encourage you, like, be honest with him, but don't give up. That's the first group. And then the second group, and, and I'll say that maybe I relate a little more towards this, is um, maybe you, you have a lot of victory and generally things are great. Um, and, um, and, and I want to talk to you because I think this is the place that I'm in where when, when maybe things are going well, we become okay with like the little bits that the enemy steals. And Frank actually talked about this a couple weeks ago and, and I kind of envision it as like, he's kind of the enemy sneaking up and like grabbing little bits and pieces here and there off the table. And, and some of us, we kind of get okay with it. It's like, you know, I'm serving God and my job's good. I, my marriage is okay and things are going good. And like, yeah, maybe I get angry here or there, but, and we, we kind of play it off. It's almost like, well, it's okay. And I just, I want to encourage you and myself. I don't want to miss anything that God has for me on that table. I don't want anger for a second to derail me. I, I don't want, you know, sometimes I think, um, like with my relationship with Britt, with my wife, that like sometimes anger steals an evening or something. And sometimes it's okay for, for, like it, it feels the next day like, well, it's not a big deal, but because generally things are okay. Britt told me specifically not to say that because that sounds weird. Um, but what I mean is that I can convince myself things are okay enough that I tolerate things I shouldn't. And that's what I want to encourage you is like, let's not let the enemy take any more. Let's not let anger or anxiety or even the little bits of fear that were like, well, I'm not as bad as, as, as what, right? So I want to encourage you that as you think about what freedom would look like for you, think about, you know, if you're in that kind of second group, it may seem like little things, or maybe the enemy has convinced you it's not that big. He'd love to keep you there. He'd love to keep you just under the full 
fully fulfilling what God has for you. And I think those are the two kind of sides that the enemy tries to keep us in. And I think some of us that are kind of in the side where things are okay, I honestly think the enemy intentionally keeps us there. Almost like a strategy that he's not going to throw some big thing at you because it would make you desperate and hungry for God again in a way that maybe you were in the past. And so he's not going to mess with that. If he can keep you just complacent enough, he's fine with that. He'd rather you be there than him stir up the bee's nest or something. So we're talking about steps on the pathway to freedom. We're talking about getting a clear picture, a clear vision of what it would look like if we were free. And for some of us, we have to redefine what normal looks like in our minds. Um, And um, yeah, so that's step number one. Get a clear picture of God's vision for your free life. Um, And then number two, we need to realize that it's a battle that the enemy takes seriously. And we've kind of been talking about this the whole time, but it's, it's important for us to, to realize that this is an, like an ongoing day-to-day battle. And Britt talked about this last week that, um, you know, the enemy wasn't even afraid when Adam and Eve were in the garden and everything was perfect and everything was great and there was no sin, there was nothing. He still didn't let them off. He was still strategizing and looking for ways that he could get in and, and, and ruin things. And so as secure as we may, may feel at times, the, our enemy, you know, the, the scriptures say he, he prowls around like a lion. So we need to stay vigilant. Um, Luke 18 verse one, Jesus told his disciples a parable specifically to, to show them that they should always pray and never give up. Um, in first Peter five, verse eight, uh, to 11, it says, keep a cool head, stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would love nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged, plunged into these hard times. Um, Luke 4, 13, right after Jesus is temple, uh, te- tempted in the wilderness, it says when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left Jesus until an opportune time. He's, he's looking for an opportune time to tempt Jesus. How much more do we need to stay vigilant, vigilant and intentional and just focused on this um, and also persistent? And uh, if you've read the book in this chapter, uh, Louis Giglio, he shares this story of him being a college dropout, um, essentially like just wasn't giving it any, you know, any effort in college and, and failing out of all these classes. And then he kind of, he has this like aha moment, this eureka moment. He's driving down the highway and he turns around and his mind is kind of changed when he comes to this realization. And I love that story. And I think it's great. And I think God does that. But I think more often our, our transformation is a long persistent process of us being disciplined and, and working it through and not giving up. And um, I hope that, that as we envision our lives, some of you have those transformational moments where everything is changed in a moment and you realize what God's future is for your life and it empowers you to drastically change decisions. And, and I pray that that happens. But for those of you where it's more subtle, I want to encourage you, we need to be persistent that the enemy takes this battle seriously and we need to take this battle seriously too. So that's number two. Number three is to define a framework or a filter for our thoughts. Um, So um, we're working on finishing a room in our basement. We've done some construction and something I'm very, very proud of in my life is that I hung a door and I am not a handyman. 
I don't do construction or anything like that. So anytime I accomplish any kind of at-home project that isn't a disaster, I'm very excited about that. So I'm excited enough that I told um, Ted, I think I texted him or something like, man, I just hung my first door and you can push it and it closes and it's amazing. And then I saw him on Sunday. I'm like, hey, did I tell you I hung a door? He's like, yeah, yeah, you told me about that. Anyways, but it's so funny that, that when we put a door on a room, it's, it was amazing how it changed that room. Um, how this room went from kind of a space to being its own thing. Um, and, you know, when it comes to our minds and our souls, some of us need to install doors. Um, think about, like, your house at home with no front entrance door. It's just an opening. How vulnerable would you feel? How um, open to a attack or just, like, you know, you go to bed at night and there's literally no door in that doorway. Some of us, our minds are that way. We, we haven't installed anything to filter what's, what's coming in. Um, so I want to encourage you. Some of us, we need to install a door. Um, Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. And so we talked about how this freedom empowers us to do. So everything we do flows from it. We have to be so careful with the thoughts that empty enter our mind. And Britt talked about last week a little bit um, and, and shared Philippians 4 verse 8, but I want to mention it again, where it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. So this is like a framework. This is a guideposts for what we should be thinking about. Um, and so uh, it's so important that we're so careful with the thoughts that maybe wreak havoc in our minds. Uh, if you need like a framework starter pack, um, there's one in the book and I'm gonna share it now where um, each day has a verse and, and it's just so simple but so practical. And, and I, I wanna encourage you that sometimes the simplest things are the things that work because they're simple. Don't overcomplicate it. If it's a verse a day and that gets you started, that's awesome. So Monday, Isaiah 43 verse one, my God knows my name starting with identity. Tuesday, Deuteronomy 31, verse 8, my God goes before me. Wednesday, Philippians 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thursday, Romans 8, verse 18, my present suffering pales in comparison to my future glory. Friday, Isaiah 54, verse 17, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Saturday, Romans 8, verse 16, I am a child of God. Sunday, Ephesians 1, verse 18 to 20. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. And these are in the notes. You can get the, the link if you haven't seen that already. hcfcornell.ca forward slash notes. And these are like pillars in the foundation of the framework for how we should envision our lives. We're, we're understanding what God believes about us. We're reframing our thoughts and we're, we're checking. Do, do these thoughts or these feelings line up with these scriptures. Um, so I want to encourage you, like post them somewhere where you see them every day, put them as the wallpaper of your phone or stick them next to a mirror, whatever it is that helps keep these things in the forefront of your mind. And kind of on that, my last point, um, number four, is just to make it practical. And I guess what I mean by that is like, when I was thinking about this, and Britt talked about this a little bit last week too, like sleep is, is a very powerful thing when it comes to our minds. I don't know if you've noticed, that it's a lot easier to make a good decision between a salad and a bag of potato chips 
at nine o'clock in the morning than it is at 10 o'clock at night. And the, the reason is physiological that like, it's more difficult for us to be disciplined with our thought processes after a long, hard day. And so like as, as simple as it may sound like getting enough sleep, having moments of reflection, of rest, that's, that might be what God is telling you to do. And I don't want you to discount it because it seems too practical or too simple or something like that. It can be that, uh, that easy. I also want to encourage you to like write things down. Um, maybe even go back and rewatch if there was parts of this message that like really spoke to you. Um, go back and rewatch and like write down what, what is it that jumped to your mind when I talked about envisioning a free future? What were the like main things that you were like, this would be different. This part of my life would be different. There's something that happens when we put pen to paper or switch over to the notes app on your phone and just start to write like, what is that? It kind of, um, solidifies the thoughts that God may be giving us during this message. Um, you know, don't just try harder in that area, but like look into it. Like what are scripture verses that talk about that specifically? Um, that can give you victory and freedom in that area. Um, also just like connecting with other people and, and telling them maybe what you wrote down or, or saying like, hey, I realized during this message that this is an area I need freedom from. I don't know how to do that. This connection project thing we're doing, it's not because we want Harvest to be the coolest social club of any kind. We're totally convinced that we can't do this life alone. And so this connection project is us as a church, as a community, creating opportunities for you to have relationships where this stuff can unfold and unpack. Um, we can't do it without other people in our lives. So like find someone that you can talk to and share maybe what God's showing you about living a free life. So just to recap, we're talking about the pathway to victory. We're saying that victory is freedom in our minds. It's the empowerment to do all that God has called us to do. And we're taking steps on that pathway. We're envisioning what a free life would look like. We're working on a framework for our thoughts, something to evaluate our thoughts against to make sure that, that our minds are being renewed. Um, we're, we're making it practical in whatever way we can. And we're remembering that the enemy takes this seriously. So we need to take it seriously as well. I hope you're doing good. I hope that, that this helped you consider what a free life would look like. And um, before we close, um, you know, as we're working our way backwards, I want to talk about the first step on the pathway towards victory. And, you know, there's this interesting kind of philosophical debate out there about whether or not humans are basically good, like whether or not our tendency at the core is towards being good people that do good things, or it's a tendency towards being, you know, evil people and, and left to ourselves, that's the path that we would walk. And it's such an interesting debate to me because I think that when you look at our world, when you look at kind of the broad trajectory and the broad views, I think a lot of people say humans generally don't do a good job. Like we make a lot of mistakes. And so from that, I think there's a side that says, well, obviously we're not basically good. We need something else. Um, but I think the fact that there's a debate points at something that's deep inside every one of our spirits, which is that we have something that our creator put in us that longs to live the life I talked about this morning. 
and maybe you're watching this and you've never, never been to church. Maybe you just stumbled upon this or maybe you've been watching for a while, but you wouldn't call yourself a Christ follower. Um, and maybe you're kind of questioning some of this. Um, but I, I would guess that what I talked about earlier in terms of living this free life resonated with you because I believe God has put something in our spirits that longs to live, that has, you know, deep within us, these deep passions to live a life that loves our neighbor like ourselves, that has grace, that has all of these things. But the first step is just admitting that we can't do it. That's what we believe in. So we don't end any service at Harvest without giving the opportunity for, for someone to take that first step for the first time. And so if something resonated with you, with, there's this longing maybe that's been awakened in you that says, I hear something that I want to live, but I just can't, I know I can't. That's awesome, you're ready to take the first step, which is, you know, we just pray together and praying is just talking to God. And the prayer that, that we invite you to pray is one where we just admit that we can't do it. And we invite him to come live in us and to transform our spirits and to empower us to begin this journey towards victory. And so what I'm gonna ask you to do, if, if that's you, if you're saying, I've never done that, I want to pray that prayer, I wanna begin that journey, I wanna take the first step on the path to victory, I'm just gonna pray and I'm gonna invite you to repeat after me um, and to just pray this prayer. And we believe that by you earnestly speaking these words to God from your heart, he comes in, he transforms your spirit. So I wanna invite you just to pray with me and just say, God, I heard something today that my spirit longs for, but I recognize I can't do it on my own. So I invite you to come into my life, to transform my spirit, and to walk with me on the path to victory. I put my trust in you, and I'm confident that you can do something in me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the first time, if we were in the room together, those of you that have been here know that we celebrate, we get excited because we're convinced your life will never be the same. And um, we would love to talk with you about the beginnings of that journey. Um, if you wanna connect with us, just put something in the comments. Um, we would love to follow up, have a conversation, celebrate with you, but then also resource you um, as you begin this amazing journey towards victory. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you are encouraged. I hope that you'll join us next week in the room. Um, we would love to, to meet you, celebrate with you. Harvest, we love you. We miss being together. We hope you had, you had a great kind of Sunday off and were able to relax, but we wanna see you next Sunday. Um, connect with us in the room, go to the Connection Project and, and find an event or host an event. Uh, we love you. We hope you're having an amazing summer and we'll see you again soon. I see you taking ground. I see you press ahead. Your power is dangerous to the enemy's camp. You still do miracles. You will do what you said. For you're the same God now that you've always been. Your spirit breaking out, your kingdom moving in, your victory claims the ground that the enemy had. 
Yeah. Uh-huh.